amen all by myself. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I know as parents, parents, I, I, I know the frustration. Sometimes you just want to just fuss and just, Wah. but what you got to appreciate is you got to remember that you have to deal with your children the way your heavenly father deals with us. Ain't God patient with us? Oh, I appreciate y'all for saying yes So with such energy, yeah. Because God, y'all know God is patient with us. I'm so glad God doesn't treat me uh, uh, the way sometimes my patience is with my children. I'm so glad doesn't, God doesn't do that with me. But at the same time, God is showing me, now, Kevin, if I've got that kind of patience with you, you certainly need to have that measure of patience with them. So Paul is calling Titus. He says, I want you to encourage these young men. I want you to work with these young men. I want you to help these young men along the way. This is Titus's call to mentorship uh, and or life coaching, if you will. And this mentality we find in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Y'all turn there with me, if you will. Proverbs chapter 1. We're looking at verses 1 through 5. Proverbs uh, chapter 1, looking together at verses 1 through 5. If you love the word of God, say amen. Uh, I, I, I want us to, to, to appreciate, uh, I left my bookmark, I'm going to snatch up this little piece of tissue. I want us to appreciate, if you will, um, the visual of why it's important for older men to be in the lives of younger men, why it's important for older women to be in the lives of younger women. Let me just drop this in while I'm standing over the gumbo. One of the greatest deceptions that the enemy can do is to create a barrier between the older generation and the younger generation. Because what he does is he leads both sides to believe that they are against each other. When in actual fact, uh, we're all broken in our own way, so collaboratively we ought to support one another. And the movement, the movement towards that positive change starts with those of us who are older. That is, if my daughter gets mad at me, I can't, I can't go in her room and start talking about how, well, you know what, this is what you need to do, and this is how you need to act, and this is what you need to be. No, what's got to happen is it's got to start with me. Y'all know that's right? It's got to start with me. It's got to start with me. And if it starts with me, if I can demonstrate mercy, if I can demonstrate kindness, I can change the game. Proverbs chapter 1, I want you to appreciate this concept, this idea of us working together as a collective and seeing the value of this idea that he talks about in Titus 2 and 6. Proverbs chapter 1, if y'all have it, say amen. We're looking together at verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of, king of Israel. Why does he give us the Proverbs? He gives us the Proverbs, number one, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive in the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, uh, to give prudence to the simple. I like that concept. Uh, he's essentially saying, I'm going to give wisdom to those who may not have it in the natural he goes a little bit further. He tells us to give to, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Verse number five, he says, a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain what? Wise counsel. And why is there a necessity to attain wise counsel? Because I don't care how smart you are, everybody needs somebody. And I'm telling you, the areas where you're failing, the areas where you're failing, I'm asking you to be honest with yourself. Are you humbling yourself to sit at the feet of someone? If you're not humbling yourself to sit at the feet of someone, then what you're doing is you're striving to make it on your own. And the Bible has already told us uh, two heads are better than one. The Bible says, for as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of another. So when you get to Titus chapter 2, y'all go back to the book of Titus, what is he telling Titus to do? He's telling Titus to appreciate the excellence, even in the New Testament, 
of what, part, what, what, what Solomon was talking about in the Proverbs. That is in verse number six, verse number six, he says, Titus chapter two, if you have that, say amen. Likewise, exhort the young men. And what does it mean to exhort? I want you to earnestly support them. I want you to encourage a response or action. That is, I don't want you to beat them upside the head because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. I want you to deal with them the way Paul dealt with the church in Thessalonica. Paul says, we were gentle among you. We treated you all as a nursing mother would treat her own children. Now that's, I'm telling you, that's just about the most beautiful illustration you could ever give. And he's urging him to do that. So Paul's calling Titus to a lot of stuff. He's calling him to be an example. He's calling him to have patience. And why does all of this, why is this all of this important? Watch him in verse number seven. Watch him in verse number seven. Verse number seven, the Bible says, in all things, if y'all see that, say amen. In all things, showing yourself to be a what? A pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, uh, incorruptibility. I love verse number eight, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. Paul's point to Titus is this. He wants him to understand he, that is Titus. He wants Titus to understand, Titus, you have to live it. You have to be it first. You have to be it first. Uh, this is because you can't lead what you won't first be. I can't help somebody to become something I won't do myself. You know, that's the reason why I believe the Lord gave us kids. Yeah. See, I'll tell you one thing I've learned about children. See, children, they, they, don't, they don't have that, 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 that way about them. Sometimes uh, us as adults, I see now why the Lord says we ought to become like little children. Because sometimes us as adults, uh, we, we, we kind of we we fake it a little bit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like we'll see something that's wrong, but we'll, we'll act like ain't nothing really going on. Yeah, kids don't have that wiring. See, kids will tell you straight up. I mean, if they see something that's not right, they'll, they'll tell you. I was driving yesterday coming from the gas station, and it was late at night. I was, we live in West Pembroke Pines. There's nobody down there. As you go further down Pines Boulevard, you lose more traffic, lose more traffic. We're way, way down there. By that time, nobody's down there. Now, uh, the way the gas station is set up is y'all know them kind of gas stations where you can have a turn in, where you can turn in real fast off the street, but that one is a one lane. So it's telling you, you can turn in, but do not enter. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the way you get out, well, you got to go all the way around the gas station. You got to go back behind the grocery store. You got to hit that street, come up on the side road, and then you're back on the road. And if your patience is a little bit like my patience, well, you find yourself doing some stuff. So what I did, y'all, just bear with me, bear with me. What I did, what I did was, is I, I cranked the car up. I looked one way, and I looked the other way, and I rolled up slow, and my kids were like, what? They said, Daddy, the sign says, do not enter. <laughs> and I said, y'all, please, please bear with me, bear with me. I, 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 said, I said, yeah, but you know, that's just for high times and special occasions and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm trying to use an example. Please, y'all, don't judge me too bad. But what happened is, is KJ said something that really touched me. KJ said, you know what? Adults don't obey any signs. <laughs> and he's talking to Jaleel, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have that regulated filter. He says, you know what? The, the sign could say you're not supposed to go so fast. Adults go faster than the sign says. Sign says, do not enter. 
and then you enter. And at that moment, I realized that what I was doing was I was teaching integrity, but I wasn't demonstrating it. So what do I have to do? Well, I got I to gotta eat that humble pie. Y'all tasted it before, boy. It's, 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 it's bitter when you bite it. I tell you that right now, it's bitter when you bite it. I say, you know what, son? You are absolutely right. Uh, Daddy is wrong. And from now on, I'm going to have to be more mindful of the signs. And my son, you know, just to make sure I got the point, he says, that's right, Daddy, because you know what? You don't listen to signs. You can get yourself hurt or killed out here. Uh, uh, all right, boys, sit down, be quiet. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, his point is true. His point is true. That is, he, he, he's looking at me. And what will happen is, is he'll get grown one day, and he'll want me to put him in a car. Help me, Jesus. A long time from now. And when I put him in that car, he's going to get a ticket from somebody because every child gets at least one ticket. And he's going to bring me that ticket, and I'm going to be like, how in the world were you going 65 in a 45? And in the back of his mind, I cannot believe this guy is really fixing his mouth to talk to me like that because he knows good and well that I've seen him with the lead foot on a few occasions. Paul says, Titus, I want you to avoid that. How do you do that? He says, I want you to be a pattern. When he talks about pattern, that word pattern, what he essentially means is, I want you to be an example. I want you to be an example. I want you to be a pattern. He says, first and foremost, I want you to be an example. That's a representative of form, often for imitation or uh, replication. I want people to look at your life, and I want them to understand how they can live. That is, here's the, here's the kicker. The church becomes a church that can cause vibrant growth when people can look to more sources than just the Bible for growth. Now, when I said that, I made some of y'all nervous. Stay with me. People need to look to more sources than the Bible for growth. What do I mean by that? You're absolutely right. Romans chapter 10, says, verse 17, the Bible says, so then faith cometh by and hearing by the... But I love in the top of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible says, uh, Paul told the church, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. That is, it's good for people to read it. It's even better for them to see it. And some people have to live a life of being a pattern. That is, you got to dedicate your life to moving with a sense of integrity and humility that allows people to see you as a walking sermon of sorts. Y'all get that? He says, I want you to be an example uh, in doctrine. That is, both the content of what you say and the activity of your teaching. I want your teaching to be healthy. I want your words to be sound. I want you to speak in agreement with God. That means you've got to study. That means you've got to study. But in addition to studying the truth, I want you to live the truth. And my brothers and my sisters, if we are, if we are honest with ourselves, I believe that this is the ultimate goal. This is the ultimate goal. That is, we've already talked about it. I go from a sinner to a Christian, from a Christian to a committed disciple, from a committed disciple to a laborer. But the ultimate goal is to really be a pattern. That's the ultimate goal. I want to live my life in such a way that causes people to look at what I'm doing and become inspired to want to get to know God. Watch it in conclusion. The third step for the Christian, I believe in my whole heart, is to become a pattern. Someone say pattern. It's to become a pattern. And when I'm talking about this idea of becoming a pattern, what I'm essentially saying is, I, I want the believer to allow your light, 
uh, your labor uh, to become a lighthouse for the loss and growth. I want people to look at the way that you live, and I want them to be inspired and encouraged. How many of y'all know that this electronic thing is giving me the blues up here? Uh, there we go. Uh, the third step for the Christian is to become a pattern. That is, I want you to allow your light. The way you live, I want your light to become a lighthouse. That is, people see you far often than they see the church. And we say that a lot, don't we? But I'm saying we have to become intentional about it. I mean, we have to really be intentional about being in the world and not just living, but living for God. I mean, living for God. I mean, loving the way God calls us to love and being honorable the way God calls us to be honorable and exercising integrity the way God calls us to exercise integrity and be forgiving the way God calls us to be forgiving. We want to understand that it is possible for a person to see the way you live and through the visual of your life, want to get to know God a little bit better. I appreciate that because one of the things that I believe in my whole heart is that when we look at it, one of the great errors that we find as the believer, one of the great errors is that people try to be a pattern without first being a disciple or a laborer. And what do I mean that by that? I think that there are too many Christians who try to tell people what to do without first making sure that they're doing what they say. Right? Because we all know how to point fingers at folk. Amen all by myself. Yeah, we've all mastered that. But I believe that there's something powerful about saying, look, before I become a pattern, I want to make sure that I'm doing what I've been called to do first. Watch him in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. We talked about this just a short while ago. Uh, uh, Paul gives us an awesome word. He tells them, listen, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is, for that early Corinthian church, he says, you can learn how to move in agreement with God if you'll just study the way that I live. Now, what does that call for? Well, that calls for us to ask the hard questions. And the hard questions we've got to ask is, one, we've got to ask ourselves, are we living that life? Are we being that pattern? Let's collectively pray together to be that pattern. If y'all still with me, say amen. amen. I want to jump into our final lesson. That concludes uh, 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 the, the, the lesson prior to. I want to wrap it up. We've been talking about this idea of what's next. If y'all still with me, say amen. amen. And I want to make sure that we understand the, the depths of this concept of what's next. I'm talking about I move from sinner to Christian, Christian to disciple, disciple to laborer, laborer to pattern. And I want to be a pattern. I want to literally live my life in a way that causes and encourages more people to give their life to God. As we wrap this series up, I want to talk to you all about uh, what's stopping your what's next. In your head, not out loud, I just want you to figure out where are you right now? Where are you right now? And, and, and not so much uh, the location, uh, but in this pathway, just this idea of our growth and in your step. Uh, we talked about what it was to be a sinner and a Christian and a disciple. We'll get more into it. But tonight we're going to be studying from the book of Exodus. If y'all are still with me, say amen. Uh, I want to give you a quick overview of the book of Exodus. Uh, a lot of content up here. I'm going to give it to you in summation form. Uh, the book of Exodus is authored by Moses. We believe that not just from the faith of trusting the word of God, but there are a host of confirmations to it. Uh, Moses himself notes himself to be an author. Uh, uh, Joshua notes Moses to be an author. Even Jesus himself notes Moses to be an author. The fact that Jesus said it, that was all I needed right there. 
uh, but, but, but that lets us know uh, that, that Moses had his hand in penning this letter. He wrote uh, the Exodus. The audience of intention was uh, the newly emancipated children of Israel and their descendants. Those individuals who just came out of Egyptian bondage, y'all know the story. Uh, he went down, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He goes down, he redeems the children of Israel. He's bringing them to the promised land. One of the things he wants them to do is to ensure that when they make it to the promised land, they're living a righteous life. If y'all get that, say amen. So the Lord puts a charge on his heart. And he wants him, he wants him uh, to write the words of God so that the people might have it. His reason for writing is clear. Uh, the purpose of the book is to celebrate God's gracious deliverance of his chosen people Israel from Egyptian slavery to the freedom of covenant relationship and into fellowship with him. It's the bridge between the promise of Abraham and the actual fulfillment of it. So he talks about, he talks to Abraham in the book of Genesis about how he's going to bless him to be the father of many nations and he's going to give, him, give his people this land. And it's so many generations later that that actually comes to pass under the hand of Moses. Moses uh, writes this letter somewhere around uh, about 1446 B.C. Now, I, I really want us to back up because we're going to get into the hindrance. But before we get into the hindrance, I want to make sure that we all have a good understanding of, of the path of progression. And, and what I mean by that, my brothers and my sisters, is I, I want us for a moment just, just to consider uh, uh, this journey in a visual sense of what it looks like and where God is calling us to be. Every one of us should be asking ourselves, where do we fall uh, in the process of our growth and development? Want us to get a quick visual. Uh, this kind of highlights the steps that we've been talking about. I want us to make sure that we're clear. Uh, the sinner is the person who is lost and disobedient. I have no interest for God. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I got a love for God but not enough to give in my life. The next step from the sinner is the Christian. Someone say Christian. Now, the Christian is the person who has been saved from their sins. They've been redeemed from their lost status. I talked to you all about the idea that from the Christian is the disciple. And why do I say that? I'll tell you that. Because every disciple is a Christian, but every Christian is not a disciple. There are some people who give their life to Christ, and they are indeed, without a doubt, Christians, but there's no real desire to commit to the following of God. And to be a disciple, there's four distinct, there's four distinct things you've got to consider. Number one, you want, to, you want to live a life free of sin. In addition to living a life free of sin, you want to ensure to live a life that's not only free of sin, but it's also about the business of telling the good news. In addition to telling the good news, I want to make sure that I'm living a life that's about my father's business, and I want to deny myself, right? I don't want to live a life on the basis of what Kevin wants and what Kevin likes. I want to live a life under the basis of what God wants for me. If y'all get that, say amen. amen. Well, uh, from a disciple, I want to become a laborer. And the Lord looked at his disciples, and he says, the harvest is plenteous, but the shortage is laborers. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into the harvest. That is, now everybody in here has a God-given talent. How many of you all are using that God-given talent to give back to the kingdom? How is God gaining a blessing from this awesome investment that he has sown in you? 
is God getting any return on his investment? From that point, once I recognize that not only, not only do I no longer want to be a sinner, but I want to be a Christian. From a Christian, I'm going to be committed to this walk. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to imitate the life of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to abstain from sin. I'm going to keep a, a kingdom agenda. I'm going to tell the good news. Not, but, but going further than that, I've got a gift inside of me. I'm going to make sure if my boss is getting the benefits of this gift, if my community is getting the benefits of this gift, if my social organizations and the clubs I'm a part of, if they're being blessed by this gift, the Lord's church better get some of this gift. From that point, next thing I want to be is I want to be a pattern. And that is I want to be intentional about how I live. I don't want to crack jokes about everything around people. I don't want to sit around and, 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 and encourage uh, uh, men to, young men to objectify women. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be about the business of uh, uh, being in the middle of mess and gossip. I want to live my life in such a way that I am a walking ambassador for the Lord. Just determine in your own heart where you're at in this thing. Figure out in your own head. Some of you, some of you will say, you know what? I've, I've been in the Lord's church for a long time, and, and, and I'm, I, I just realized today that I, I, I haven't moved any further than being a Christian. Some would say, you know what, I am a disciple. I'm about the business of, of, of striving to live a life free of sin. And I'm about the business of, of being active in kingdom agenda. And, I, and, I, and I'm striving my best to, to, to tell people about the good news. And I'm striving my best uh, to, to, to live the way that God has called me to live. Maybe there are some of you who are saying, you know what, I've now progressed. That I am not only doing the things of a disciple. I'm telling people I'm doing my one for the son. But I actually have a gift. And I'm making sure that I use my gift to bless the kingdom. I'm touching people with my gift and maybe there's some of you who are going the step further who literally have humbled yourselves to be a pattern and let me tell you to be a pattern is a humbling life because to be a pattern you've got to be courageous enough to stand and low enough to say you're wrong or you're sorry all at the same time I'm not so much concerned about where you are now I'm just asking what's stopping you from taking the next step don't answer out loud these are things I want you to meditate in your heart. I know where I need to be. What's hindering me from getting to the next level? I pray tonight's lesson will help us a little bit in that. If y'all still with me, say amen. Uh, why, what we, want, we want to begin to expose this idea of highlighting the hindrance because I believe that while all of us may be in different phases of this thing, the thing that's keeping you from going to this next level, the thing that's stopping you from going to the next level is the thing that has been holding men of God and women of God back since the beginning of God's calling. We're in the book of Exodus. If y'all are still with me, say amen. I want y'all to turn to Exodus, the fourth chapter. Exodus, the fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter of the book of Exodus, I'm going to do my best to kind of highlight what's been going on up until the fourth chapter. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 uh, is, is the story of uh, the, the, the burning bush. And, and, and in, the, in the telling of uh, uh, the burning bush, uh, Moses is made aware of the calling of God. Moses is a humble man. Uh, he is he is not only uh, doing the jo job of a shepherd, which we've already uncovered, is really a job that you give a little boy. Uh, he's a man 
uh, uh, approaching that years, the age of 80 years old, who's humbled himself with the willingness to lead these sheep. And it's important that he does this because his calling in life, if y'all still with me, say amen. His calling in life is going to be about leading a mass of people through the wilderness. So he's working. He doesn't even know God's preparing him by leading this flock through the wilderness. But really what's really most profound, and I found this in my study, was that he is really beginning to own his Israeliteness. I know that's not a word. Y'all stay with me. He's beginning to own it because for a long time he's been living like an Egyptian. As a matter of fact, when he makes it to, when he makes it to the area uh, where he encounters Jethro, Jethro's daughter, Zipporah, uh, when she tells her daddy about how she came back from the well so fast, she said, well, yeah, it, took us, it didn't take us a long time because today there weren't guys down there harassing us because this Egyptian man met us there and helped us through. Well, he wasn't an Egyptian, but she saw him as an Egyptian because he had been around the Egyptians so much that he began to take on that demeanor. If y'all get that, say amen. Well, if you remember anything, one of the things that you know is that when Joseph brought his brothers, the reason why they got Gershom, that rich land, is because to be a, to be a shepherd was an abomination. And no Egyptian would have been a shepherd. But here this man, Moses, comes to this new land, and that's all he wants to do. And for 40 years, that's what he did. He just took care of Jethro's sheep, made sure Jethro's sheep had something to eat. Well, God calls him and God tells this man, listen, I want you, I want you now uh, uh, to go back to the area where you've come. Go back to an area you never wanted to go back to, to a people you never wanted to see, a place you ran from because you were fearing for your life. And I want you to go there. And the reason why I want you to go there is I want you to tell Pharaoh to release your brothers and sisters. I don't have to ask you. I know everybody understands how challenging that is. Because when he left that area, he left there as a fugitive wanted for murder. And when Pharaoh found out that this, 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 this is Israelite who has been eaten at his table actually killed one of his own Egyptians, all of that history raising him up from a boy to 40 years old, all that was gone. When he heard it, he just wanted to kill him. He ran for his life. Well, God calls him at a burning bush and God tells him, I'm giving you a mission. God begins to expound on that mission once you get to chapter 4. Chapter 4, Moses is reluctant and Moses is looking for confirmation of how I'm supposed to get this job done. Who am I supposed to say sent me, number one, and what do I do if they don't believe me? Well, they go through a couple of things and God gives him a name that he has never been called before. He gives him the staff. Y'all know the staff? Staff, he tells him to drop. It becomes a what? serpent he picks it up by the tail don't you ever do that he picks it up by the tail uh why would you be picking up snakes anyway but that's neither here nor there uh, he picks it up by the tail lifts it up becomes staff again uh he tells him take your hand stick it inside your cloak he pulls it out and what is what happens to his hand leprosy is he said it's, 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 it's as leprous as snow he puts it back in his cloak he pulls it back out and it looked like a regular hand again he says and even if they don't believe all of that what i want you to do is i want you to go to the nile river which is in egypt I want you to get a cup of that water from the Nile River. I want you to let them watch you dip that cup in, pull up that water, quite like the water that I've been drinking here, and I want you to dump that water out, and it'll be blood when it comes out. He says, if you do that, I promise you they'll believe you. What is God doing? God is equipping him. God's equipping him. God is empowering Moses to be a laborer. God is giving him a gift 
and he's going to use the gift that God gives him to help the people of God to grow in the will, word, and way of God. Not only that, but he has to go down there and he has to do the Lord's will. That is, when the people are terrified, he's got to exemplify courage. When the people believe that God is wrong, he's got to stand up and tell them that God is right. When the people want to go back to slavery, he's got to stand up and tell them we got to keep pressing forward. That is, not only is he a disciple of the Lord, not only is he a, a, a laborer of the Lord, but he's a pattern for the Lord. Well, God says, well, it's time to get to work. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. it's time to work. Meet me in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 10. Exodus chapter 4, verse number 10. If you have it, say amen. The Bible says, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before nor since you've spoken to me, to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Here's what's interesting about this, this, this entire read, is that up until this point, one thing has been a common fact. You see, the prior passages details Moses' thought that the people didn't believe in him. He asked for all these signs. Why? Because the people don't believe in me. Now Moses really cuts to what it's really about. And after God says, no, you're good. I'm going to empower you to let the people believe in you. The people are going to believe in you if you just trust. Well, then he gets to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is, okay, but Lord, what do I do if I don't believe in myself? See, verse number two highlights an area of Moses that we always knew. We could read it in the way he was talking. We always knew that Moses was struggling with doubt. If y'all get that, say amen. So God begins to help him to see himself. What's interesting is that when you really begin to study the text, I often, and I've been teaching it wrong. I'm going to tell you, I've been teaching it wrong. I've often been telling people that Moses was talking about the fact that he had a speech impediment, which as you do the Hebrew word study, that's not true. That's just not true. As a matter of fact, when we get to the heart of the matter, when we look at the word in its depth, what he's talking about being eloquent, it's interesting how, how they define that word. You see, that word eloquent is not even a single word in the Hebrew language. To get the word eloquent, what they simply do is they use two words. They use the Hebrew word for word and the Hebrew word for man. And all he's saying is, is I'm not a, I'm not a word man or I'm not a man of words. And what he's saying is, I don't have the gift to gab. That's, that's, that's not my thing. I haven't been a talker. I'm, 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 not, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy you're just going to put in front of a bunch of people and I'm able to say things. And when we look at it like that, I think everybody here can relate to Moses. Because oftentimes what hinders us from sharing, from teaching, from, for those of us who, who God may be calling to preach, for what's hindering you from doing that is that you believe that there's something about you that can't do it. And that concept of camp is not a physical hindrance, it's a mental hindrance. So he tells God, Lord, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a word man. I'm not a man of words. It even gets deeper when we begin to look at the idea of him saying uh, that he's slow of speech. Because when he talks about that idea of slow of speech, what he's saying is, is that uh, I, I'm heavy in the tongue or I'm heavy in the mouth. And that's just basically, it requires some effort for me to get it done. That is, I'm not the guy who just stands up in front of people and you can tell me to speak and I've got to speak. 
I'm that person that I got to sit down somewhere and I got to make myself some notes and I've got to study and I got to have my cards. And when I get up there, I, 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 I'm not going to be Les Brown up there. I'm not going to be Dr. Jack Evans when I get up there. I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, uh, one, any of these great uh, uh, sermonic deliverers. I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm struggling because I feel that he needs excellence and I don't bring excellence. If y'all get that, say amen. Really interesting when you begin to look at it. What he's saying is, it's not that he can't do it. No, it's not that he can't do it. Rather, he's simply saying that it doesn't come easy to him. He's got to work to do it. There's some things that come natural to people, and it just doesn't come natural to me. And how many of you all know that's deeper than just talking? Hey, you know what? Why, 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 why do you hold a grudge like that? Well, you know, that's just the way I am, you know. And I've, I've been like this ever since I was little. You know, I, 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 that's, that's just who I am. Essentially, all you're saying is it just doesn't come natural to me. It's not that you have a physical condition that hinders you from being forgiving. You just have just settled for the fact that it's hard to do that. Some things are easy for us. That's the reason why people can criticize people who struggle with things that they don't struggle with. Because cocaine is not your hindrance. But lying showing up is. Right? And when we really look at it, all you're saying is, is that, you know, somebody said, why, why are you always lying? You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I've, been, I've been struggling with lying ever since I was a kid. You know, I sit down and I, I know it ain't true. I just end up saying it. You know, that's just how I am. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know, I'm going to tell y'all right now, y'all know there are people that just tell you some falsehoods. They just tell you falsehoods. Brother, brother, the, brother the other week was just, just telling me some falsehoods. And I'm listening to my brother. He's just telling me falsehoods. And I, I'm just shaking my head because I know it ain't true. I just know it ain't true. And I, don't, I just don't understand. But I can't condemn him because what I realize is that's his struggle. And I got my struggle. And Moses is always letting us know is that this whole idea of talking, that's a struggle for me. It's not easy for me. If y'all get that, say amen. You see, the closest parallel, if you really want to see it, the closest parallel is when you think about Jeremiah's protest in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 6. I wish I had time. Y'all have to write it down. But in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 6, what he does in that passage is he says, Lord, I, I, I can't speak. And he speaks to say he can't speak. And he speaks to say he can't speak because he certainly can speak. But he associates his youthfulness. Because in his own mind, he's, he's put himself in a space where he doesn't believe something can happen. And I'll tell you, the most dangerous thing that can happen to Christians, the most dangerous thing that can happen to a church, is when you allow your conditions to shape your mind in a fixed way. Oh, this is just how it's going to be. Or this is just how I am. Or this is just what I've done. Or, you know, I've... I've I, I, I've been doing this too long now, and I'm, 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 I'm this old now, and if I ain't figured it out now, I'm just never going to get it done. And you'll end up walking around wearing that leverage, and we're acting like Moses wasn't 80 years old when he started his ministry. 80 years old when he started his ministry. I wish I had a little bit more time, but I got that zero sign from the back. So I've got I've to wrap it on up. If you love the word of God, say Amen. I want to give you the idea of how this thing ends. You can read it a, a, a bit further. But essentially what the Lord asked him is he asked him, who made your mouth? Who, who made your mouth? You, you're talking to me about what your mouth can't do like you made your mouth. You know what? 
You're talking about what you can and can't do with your mouth like you understand how you do what you do with your mouth. Don't ask me how I'm able to speak and how sound is coming out of my mouth. I have no idea. And I've been doing it since my mama said I said my first word. And I remember she said, boy, you don't never stop talking. You always talk. But I can't explain how it's happening. I just know that it happens. And I take it for granted. How do I know I take it for granted? Because if I ever found myself to be without my voice or I lose my voice, oh, then you really realize what you have. But still, nonetheless, I have to accept that even the things that you think you do easy, you only do those things because God gives you the power to do it. And if God gave you the power to do that, God can give you the power to do anything. The thing that hinders us from taking the next step is ourselves. That is, somehow in our way, we've already put in our mind what we can't do. You know, I've, I, I, I've, I've never been evangelistic, and I, I, just, I, just, I just can't teach a Bible study, and I, I, I can't learn those scriptures. Meanwhile, some of y'all know a sweet potato pie recipe like the back of your hand. Some of y'all can quote songs for the Commodores right now. You come on at the family reunion, and you can give that whole song top to bottom. Some of y'all know Wu-Tang Clan lyrics right now. You know every last word of it. Don't tell me what you can't do. Let's own what it really is. We're really dealing with what we don't want to do. And when we say it like that, all we're really saying is, God, I don't want to be any better than I am right now. I mean, if we're going to say it, let's just say it the way we need to say it. Because there's no excuse. God says, what you're struggling to do, I made your mouth. I can fix your mouth to do whatever you need to do. My brothers and my sisters, God is calling us to greater, and we can do greater if we'll trust that God will give us the ability to be what we need to be. If you need to be a teacher, teach, try, step forth, give it your best. Have a moment where you succeed. Have moments where you fail, but grow in the process. If you need to evangelize, evangelize. Learn the passages. Commit them to memory. Share the good news with somebody. If you need to begin to join a team that does six visitation, get in the homes of those who are discouraged. Be an encouragement to them. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to be about the business of always taking from God and never giving back. Because you know if God ever did that to us, all the trouble we'd be in. If y'all get that, say amen. I'm urging uh, people of God, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, won't you get one? You come by hearing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear that the Lord uh, died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised for our sins. He lives. If y'all know that's good news, say amen. Uh, if you believe that, repent of your sins. Confess that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. Be buried in the watery grave of baptism. Wash your sins away. Live a life by faith for God. He'll give you a crown of life. Maybe just maybe you're in here tonight and you know that you've just been standing still for a while. And we're talking about the next level and we're missing the fact that the next level for the church starts with the next level of the Christians. And if you're asking yourself, why isn't the church taking the next level? Ask yourself, are you taking the next level? And if you're not taking the next level, then you are the problem. Amen all by myself. And let's grow in it. Here's the good news the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9. If we simply confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If anyone needs to respond, won't you do so right now as we together stand and sing. He's sweet, I know. Yes, he's so sweet, I know. We'll die.